It's Monday, March 4th, 2019. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, this is our weekly Monday Bible study and call to prayer. Today, we are continuing our study on the book of Acts, Acts chapter 11, verses 1 through 18. Thanks, Herbie. And hey, everybody, thanks for tuning in to the Defender podcast today. It is such a blessing to be a part of a ministry where every Monday we gather together as a staff to study the scriptures, and we are going through the book of Acts right now. And we want to use the Defender podcast on these Mondays to kind of invite you in to our staff Bible study. So we've been going through the book of Acts. We are now at Acts chapter 11, and Chapter 10 and the first part of chapter 11 in the book of Acts is one is probably the most important chapter in all of Acts, and it may be one of the most, if not the most important passage in the New Testament. Now, I know that's, that's quite a claim, but um, it is in this passage that we see the gospel open up to the Gentiles. And this is huge. Of course, Luke wrote the book of Acts, and Luke was a Gentile. And so the fact that the gospel was opened up to the Gentiles was fantastic for him. I happen to be a Gentile. That is, I am not of uh, Jewish uh, origin or Jewish roots. And so because of that, I am also thrilled that the gospel is opened up to the Gentiles. Otherwise, I could not be saved. Luke spends one and a half chapters on this episode where the gospel is brought to Cornelius and Cornelius' conversion. Uh, Chapter 11 that we're going to read today is Peter recounting for the brothers in Jerusalem what happened in chapter 10. So it's so important that it's almost a repeat of what we saw in chapter 10. In fact, this uh, passage that deals with the conversion of Cornelius, we see 66 verses covering Cornelius' conversion. When Back when it came to the Apostle Paul's conversion, there were less than half that many verses committed to that. When we go back to the events surrounding the day of Pentecost, only 13 verses uh, dealing with that. So Luke spends a lot of time focused on this uh, passage. So I want to read to you today from Acts chapter 11, beginning in verse 1 and going through verse 18. The apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had welcomed God's message also. When Peter went up to Jerusalem, those who stressed circumcision argued with him, saying, You visited uncircumcised men, and you ate with them. Peter began to explain to them in an orderly sequence, saying, I was in the town of Joppa praying, and I saw in a visionary state an object coming down that resembled a large sheet being lowered from heaven by its four corners, and it came to me. When I looked closely and considered it, I saw the four-footed animals of the earth, the wild beasts, I saw the reptiles and the birds of the sky. Then I also heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. No, Lord, I said, nothing un- for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. 
But a voice answered from heaven the second time, What God has made clean, you must not call common. Now this happened three times, and then everything was drawn up again into heaven. At that very moment, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were. Then the Spirit told me to go with them with no doubts at all. These six brothers accompanied me, and we went into the man's house. He reported to us how he had seen the angels standing in his house, saying, Send to Joppa, call for Simon, who is also named Peter. He will speak words to you by which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came down on them, just as on us at the beginning. Then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if God gave them the same gift that he also gave to us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, how could I possibly hinder God? When they heard this, they became silent. Then they glorified God, saying, So God has granted repentance resulting in life to even the Gentiles. An amazing passage, isn't it? So here Peter has come to Jerusalem, and when he does, he is confronted by some brothers who uh, are Jewish believers. They are uh, those who stressed circumcision, and they're arguing with Peter because he went into the home of Cornelius, who was a Gentile, unclean, and spent time with him, which he was not to do, unclean, and um, they've also heard that Gentiles are coming to faith in Christ. And so they, um, they're concerned about this. They confront him about this. And it was permissible for Jews to have Gentiles into their home, but it was not permissible for Jews to go into the home of a Gentile. That was considered unclean. And to eat with a Gentile, that was considered unclean. And so beginning in verse 4, Peter answers them, not argumentatively, not combatively, but the Bible says he began to explain in an orderly sequence, or from the beginning. He said, guys, let me take you back. Let me explain what happened. I was in Joppa. I was on this roof. I was praying. It was noon. I had this vision. And he, he relays to them the vision that we saw back in chapter 10, and he reiterates it again here in chapter 11. Now, understand the focus of this passage is not on Jewish dietary laws, although that is certainly addressed here, but it's about the gospel being for all people, that God's gospel is amazing grace for every race. And so he uh, recounts this vision that he had, and um, he's telling them, listen, there are no unclean people. God is accepting the Gentiles and welcoming them into his family if they will turn from their sins and put their faith in Christ. He had this vision, the Bible says, three times. It seems like Peter learned in threes when he denied the Lord. He denied three times uh, that he knew the Lord before the rooster crowed uh, after or during the trial of Jesus and before the crucifixion. And a powerful lesson that he learned there uh, after the resurrection Jesus was hanging out with the disciples and with Peter and said, Peter, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, I love you. And then asked again, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. 
And then a third time he asked, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know I do. And he said, then feed my sheep. It just seemed like the lessons that Peter had to learn often came in groups of threes. And this vision came to him three times. And God commanded him to go to this Gentile man's home. And the focus here is that Peter's sharing is not on Peter, it's on God. God sent me to do this. God's message came to this man. The Holy Spirit came down on them. And the Holy Spirit came on these Gentiles uh, fell on them. Verse 15 says, I began to speak. The Holy Spirit came down on them just as on us at the beginning. Verse 17 says, therefore, if God gave them the same gift that he also gave to us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, how could I possibly hinder God? We go back to the previous chapter, chapter 10, verse 44. The Bible says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came down on all those who heard the message. Makes us kind of rewind back to Acts chapter 2 and think about the day of Pentecost when the Bible says, then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So it happened to the Jews in Acts chapter 2, and now here in chapters 10 and 11, we see the gospel coming to the Gentiles, the Holy Spirit coming down on the Gentiles, and this pouring out of the Holy Spirit was indiscriminately given to all who believed. It is the gospel for every race. Now, think for a minute with me about this. Go go back to the Gospels. Think back to Matthew 28, where we see the Great Commission. This is after the resurrection, before Jesus ascends into heaven, and he gives his disciples their marching orders, what we call the Great Commission. He said, All authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And so we see that that was God's plan from the beginning, that the disciples would go to the ends of the earth. In fact, in Acts chapter 1, right before the ascension or at the ascension, Jesus' last words to the disciples were, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so it kind of makes me scratch my head when we come to Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 11, that these Jewish believers seemed kind of surprised and kind of stunned that the gospel would come to the Gentiles. What were they thinking Jesus meant in the Great Commission? What were they thinking that uh, to the ends of the earth was supposed to mean, if not carry the the gospel to the nations? It is uh, interesting to see how God tears down the walls of prejudice in Peter's heart, in the hearts of these brothers in Jerusalem, and so many times we build up a wall of prejudice, we build up a, a, a dam of prejudice, if you will, and, and it, it, it requires the furious rapids of God, the river of God's gospel and God's grace to tear down the prejudice that's in our hearts. And we pray that he will do that for the sake of the advancement of the gospel. We see God tearing down the prejudice in Peter's heart in chapter 10 verse 28 Peter has met Cornelius and Peter said to them you know it's forbidden for a Jewish man to associate with or visit a foreigner but God has shown me that I must not call any person common or unclean my prayer for us today is that God would tear down the walls of prejudice that we've built up in our hearts that are being a hindrance to the gospel so that the river of his gospel grace 
can tear down the dam of our prejudice and flow freely and allow us to have opportunities to share the gospel with those that may not be like us, that may not look like us, they may come from a different place, they may come from a different ethnicity, they come from a different economic status or a different social status, but may the river of God's gospel flow through us today and remove every prejudice that would be a hindrance to the gospel. God bless you. This week, we are praying for the country of Honduras. We're praying for the country and the central authority of Honduras. We're praying for peace and unity in a country with much violence, poverty, and corruption. We're praying that the gospel would go forth and bring about change and reconciliation. We're praying for the central authority, Dinaf, as, as they have come out of the first ever adoption law in Honduras last month. And we're praying that this will benefit the children of Honduras and that Dinaf will see the urgency of caring for the children and placing them with forever families. We're praying for the judges who are making decisions such as declaring the children abandoned that impact adoption. We pray as they make rulings that they will choose to do the right thing in a timely manner for the children. We pray that children would be reunified with their birth families or for them to be properly declared abandoned so that they can be adopted. We're praying for the children in the care of Dinaf, that, that, that their needs will be met and that others will advocate for their rights and for them to know Christ and to know their value and worth in him. We're praying for Carmen and Livio, our in-country team. Uh, we're asking for their wisdom and creativity and endurance as they go on our behalf to Dinaf, the courts weekly, to advocate for our families. We're praying for them to have opportunities to build good relationships as they work alongside the government on family cases. We're praying for our families in the process. It's a large, long, hard process, and we're praying for their patience and their hearts. Praising the Lord for families who are in the process now and thankful for their passion and dedication to the culture and country of Honduras. And we ask that the Lord would just be with their endurance and patience for the program. And we're praying for families that are specifically pursuing uh, specific children that they've either fostered in the past or have had a relationship with already. So let's pray to the Lord on behalf of this country and the children of Honduras. Lord, we thank you so much for the country of Honduras and uh, for your, the work of your spirit there. We pray that the gospel would go forth, uh, a true unadulterated gospel that would make known your goodness and your worth and your value to the people of Honduras. We pray for the children of Honduras, that you would uh, show them their value in you, that they would know their value in Christ, that they would come to know Christ as their Savior. We're praying for our team, Carmen and Livio. We ask that you'd be with them as they represent our families and represent these children and represent our organization before the government. And ultimately, we pray that the government would have wisdom uh, to either reunify families that need to be reunified or help these children that need uh, to be adopted, to be uh, declared uh, available and eligible for adoption so that they can find a forever family. Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity to come to you. And we ask all these things in your great name. Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information, if you connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel to you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.